Hi, I'm Case Lowe, co-host of the Open the Voice Gate podcast. The one question I'm constantly asked when it comes to Dragon Gate is how do I get into the promotion? Well, stop asking and start listening to the Open the Voice Gate podcast released every Wednesday on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. For exclusive news and show reviews, look no further than the leader in Dragon Gate coverage, Open the Voice Gate. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. professional wrestling well you're in luck we like professional wrestling too this is shake them ropes for the first day of december good god where is the time gone 2022 i am jeff hawkins alongside one chris novembrino hi chris hello jeffrey how are you <laughs> i'm doing well we we had an odd request and I, I told you this before i hit record but a couple of people are like hey you two are music geeks you gotta talk a little christine mcvee on the show i was like okay i can do that for a little bit of banter before we head into the graps um christine mcvee might be a fleetwood mac past this weekend uh the best I, I was thinking about this and i think of her almost as the george harrison of fleetwood mac she's a little overlooked compared to Lindsay buckingham stevie nicks and she doesn't have the personality like mick did slash ringo but her songs were always solid, but it always felt like to me, it's like, oh, Christine wants to put a song on the album or a couple of songs on the album. And I'm going to be honest with you, my probably their best, possibly my favorite Fleetwood Mac song is a Christine McVie song, which is uh, You Make Love and Fun. Which You Make Love and Fun is a very good song. It's a very good song. I, 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 I go between that and Gold Dust Woman for my favorite Fleetwood Mac track. But it's one of those things where it's like between Lindsay and Stevie's snarkiness. Here's just somebody who wants, I just want to make pretty love songs. And I just want to be in love. And I always find that a nice, a nice soothing salve between the the barbs going on amongst the band. But if, then you think about it, you, go like, you make love and fun. It's about the affair she's having with the lighting guy while she's still married to the bass player. My, possibly my favorite member of Fleetwood Mac, John McVie, who who just says nothing and does nothing. <laughs> it's just there to be a bass player and do cocaine, which is what he Mick always did. But um, I, I'm, I, it's one of those weird things where I, I gravitate towards her songs. Sometimes even more than, than the Lindsay Stevie collaborations. And she's had a hand in a lot of their bigger hits in terms of radio mainstream play, like uh, hold me, which was their quote unquote comeback album in the mid eighties. I mean, everywhere is now getting, you know, a ton of, of play because of its usage on a car commercial campaign. I'm like, nobody mm. knew this song before when it came out the first time, but here it is. You know, Songbird is of course a pretty song. Her, her, oh, her contribution, to don't, her contribution to don't stop is pretty damn good too. So yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No, I think what's notable about Fleetwood Mac is that every member charted a top 20 song uh, as, like, main composer at some point. Did John McVie then, do one? Yeah, 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 yeah. John McVie wrote one, too. Uh, I, I think, 
Didn't he write? I mean, he, he has some writing credit on the chain, right? Oh, I, I oh, man. <laughs> man, I, I, no, I, 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 this is, this might be a music factoid that I'm botching, but like, well, I, I'm, I'm I definitely gonna look it up right now just, just to see, just, to yeah, see. yeah. This, but like, I, I wanna, I wanna say every single member like actually charted a top 20 song is like one of the kind of claims to fame. Oh, all band. five have writing credits on, on the chain. Okay. Okay, all five Maybe of them. Lindsay, Christine, John, and Mick. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that would make sense. That boom, but da dun da 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 dun dun yeah. is, is like a important part of the song. Yeah. I, I, I do like John McVee's bass quite a lot, especially in that in Gold Dust Woman, where he's just kind of like riffing a little bit on there. But yeah. Uh but yeah, Christine McVee always uh a a a welcome change to some of the uh snarkier songs of Lindsay Buckingham and Stevie Nicks. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I was, nice I was listening to some today, and you're just like, these two just want to cut each other's throats out. <laughs> Christine just wants to sing love songs. I think every band needs a change of pace vocal, and it's really important for that change of pace vocal to bring something th that is meaningfully different. Uh, see the phrase change of pace, but uh, I, I she's a really pleasant one. Like she well, couldn't it's, carry it's weird because there's some but, yeah. but it's nice to have three or four songs with her on it. Yeah, it, it's weird because there are some bands where that doesn't work. Like one of my favorite bands is Traffic and the Dave Mason songs. It's clear Dave wants to be in a totally different band than Steve Winwood and Jim Capaldi. And that's why they kept throwing him out of the band. It's like you just want to do pop and we want to do our weird experimental crap over here. <laughs> yeah, but um yeah, it's nice to have a fully formed band. Uh yeah, I don't. I'm. I'm not. I'm a. I'm a Fleetwood Mac fan, but I'm not a fanatic. Like I couldn't. I couldn't tell you a lot of like the writing credits on each and every song, or you know, the personnel. But uh, you know, she. But again, that's my favorite Fleetwood Mac song is hers, and hers are usually ranked very highly up there. And you make love and fun is just. It's just such a great little song. I love it. I, I like that we never actually hit the the chorus slash refrain of you make loving fun until the very end of the yeah. song. It makes like the structure of the song is so fun because it's like hitting um, what effectively is the chorus. If you're like looking at it as a structure really is written and feels like a pre-chorus. The I never did believe in miracles or like in the ways of magic, but I'm beginning to wonder why. Like I, it's I like the way that that syllable like that syllable drops like the i'm i'm willing to believe or whatever it sounds like she's almost swallowed the word there when she's yeah doing yeah it. yeah the believe in the ways of magic like you almost don't catch yeah. the i'm willing to believe it's like you just you just catch the believe part as opposed to the i'm willing because it's, it's such a low tone that that it, that it blends in with the synth and the bass at that same time but uh yeah, yeah that, and that's... the cool the guitar line there is really cool too. It has like like yeah. Buckingham when he's doing that like shimmering uh kind of birds like quality thing that his finger picking style does. It's nice. They they and that's a great song where it really call kind of works together. Buckingham has a nice solo at it. Um or in it and Mick Fleetwood always finds an interesting way to punch up every single song with like at least one interesting like drum idea or drum, drum fill, fill or something yeah <laughs> yes every single song has at least something to make it just a little bit more interesting and like i feel like maybe at one point people were like oh you know he's always trying to put a stamp on it. but like now especially in an era where like so many drummers and so much drums are just auto triggered in and they're sort of auto triggered in in like a mindless sort of way it's really nice to feel like a sense of composition in the percussion 
Yeah, and it's weird because like one of my first uh, exposures to Mick Fleetwood was as an actor. He's in The Running Man, the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. <laughs> Hell yeah. But yeah, he's like, he always wants to tell you he's there, much like Ringo. There's always one thing. Oh, yeah, Mick Fleetwood's here. He's solid. He can do it. But uh, yes, there, there's your musical interlude for those who requested it. And now for the rest of you yelling at us to just get to the wrestling talk, here goes nothing. Yeah, this Start- is they can yell at us about the wrestling talk. Oh, get ready. We're going in on AEW, probably. But uh, a report today, uh, WWE planning a major show for January in India. The event would come two years after WWE Superstar Spectacle was filmed for the Indian market back in January 22, 2021. It's a weird statement to say, but so, that was so the that date. that explains why they've been heating up my boy Ginger Mahal again. Have they? <laughs> uh, he's and I just been didn't on notice TV it? a couple of times. Yeah, okay. no, he's been on TV. Yeah, as compared to in months prior, where he has not been on TV at all. Well, if, if if for those of you who don't remember, and why would you? That event featured Drew McIntyre teaming with Inda Sheer and defeating Jinder Mahal and the Bollywood Boys in the main event. <laughs> it was filmed with no fans in attendance from Tropicana Field and aired on India's Republic Day four days later on January 26th. I assume this one will be live in India. Which, which is going to be very interesting given that there might be a spike in COVID during the winter. Um, but yeah, it looks like they're going to go back to in, they're going to go back to that market because it, they, they view it as a growth market. And let's put it this way. If Satnam Singh is not under contract with AEW, he will soon be under contract with WWE. Yeah, right. No, they, they they'll, they'll make a play for him. Uh, he's got, and that guy's got something. He's he's definitely got. Oh something. yeah, no, I um, I enjoy his work. I, I assume like Great Kali will be on this for a special appearance too. I yeah, I I don't know. How do you feel about you know Mark? I mean, this kind of let, let's let's call it what it is: racial pandering for specific markets. It's pretty icky, right? Like yeah. like I mean, I, yeah, I, like it's it's icky specifically because. It's, they it's, do not actually, on a week-to-week basis, take good care of a guy like Mansoor, a guy oh. who you and I legitimately think is talented. Yeah, I'm not saying he's like a world champion or whatever, but like Mansoor should be a meaningful part of the mid card. And if he was a meaningful part of the mid card, and then this company chose to showcase him more when they got into a Saudi Arabia show, I would have no problem with that because Mansoor is like on TV every week. He's like a regular character on TV. Yeah, we're going on to this guy's home turf in the same way that like when the Miz goes to Cleveland, you know, yes. like, well, not yeah. the Miz. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but you you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah, you get the is idea. Cynic- this oh. is cynical. This is, this is oh, we're going to this guy's country and we don't have a real star. So let's just give him a quick push into a main event thing and he'll be with right. the real main eventers. And then we'll, and you could and then have we'll made pop view. the market and then we can grow it. It's like, that's not how this works. It'd be one thing if they had made Veer at this point. Like, if, if they had actually built this guy up and he was, like, a credible dude and regular on TV, maybe, like, had, like, a meaningful match against Roman Reigns. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you built up Veer, okay, cool. Then when you go to India, showcase Veer, you make this about Veer Mahan, and that makes a lot of sense considering, you know, million-dollar arm and everything else, too, right? Like, yes. this would be the guy to push. This would be the guy to push. And there's a way to do this where it's business savvy without being racially pandering. And I'm, I'm with you on this. I, I don't think WWE, 
I think WWE falls well south of the mark here. Um, I do believe it's certainly possible um, to showcase people well in their hometowns. That's also a thing historically WWE's not been very good at either. Um, you know, but I think in particular, you've got to be really mindful about it when you're like going to these different countries. There's a smarter way of doing this. It's time to move out of the Vince era. Yeah, there, there there's a difference between having, you know, uh, you know, Oh, he's Indian and he works for WWE versus we have a star who happens to be Indian. And now we're going to showcase, we're going to give him a nice little win in his hometown or in his home country. And you guys can be proud of him. I mean, it's, I mean, it kills me that they think fandom is this stupid. That that's what, that's the only thing that looks appears to me, but it's like, Oh, you know what? We'll put the Bollywood boys in the main event. And look, I love the Bollywood boys. Don't get me wrong. I do. They're great. But it's one of those things where they mistreated those guys as just, you know, red shirts for various acts. And they expected everybody to come flooding in because, hey, these are Canadians of your ancestry. Come watch them and then and give us money kind of a thing. And you're just like, oh, why? Because we watch the American product and we know that you treat them like geeks. Why would we come watch them just because, you know, we have the same skin color? That's just so it's so cynical. It, It defies explanation for me. Yeah, and I'll give you an example where it's not pandering. When Kevin Owens goes to Montreal, it's not pandering because Owens is regularly featured on TV every week. Yes, and he's time. made to look good. Yeah. Yeah, made to look good. Like, like it's actually not really hard to do this. Just make sure these guys you want to use as the anchors in these certain places are given the same level of consideration as Kevin Owens. I'm not saying the same spot in the card as Kevin Owens. I'm saying the same level of consideration that they're always doing something meaningful in the card. Yeah. I mean, if you want to grow a territory, make it look like it's, it's, you know, make it look like you actually care about the territory as opposed to just, Hey, they're from your hometown. Come, come shell out bucks to see them live. You marks, you know, that kind uh, of thing. Yeah. And, and like, I, I guess one last point on the pandering thing, I think the herky jerk nature of the booking around Sangha also belies a certain like pandering thing. They were getting one character going with this guy and then they decided, no, 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 no. We're going to we India. Need evil we just... foreign heel number yep. 8,000 yep. with him, as opposed yep. to confident, you know, suave ladies man of Indian descent, which he was, and he was great at it. I just, I, 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 I didn't understand this at all, to be honest. Oh, no, I, I know that, 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 that Sangha character was a very interesting character. Uh, like, yeah, like a, a guy with like actual like depth and layers and just like interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he had, he had yeah. this weird charisma that just came off the screen and you're just like, okay, they have something here. Maybe he doesn't have the skill level in the ring just yet. But there's something you can work with here in, in these sketches. And and look, as much as I don't necessarily like comedy sketches and things like that in wrestling, the fact is WWE's entire uh entire marketing machine is based on personality and, yeah. and getting that over versus work rate or anything, getting the characters over. And he had a character and he was nailing it week after week. And then they just decide to change the character because, well, we need to do something with Veer too, who we've also horribly miscast. That's <laughs> with you, right? Yeah. And, and and we've done like several different pushes that have all been very absent-minded. Yeah, so this is what you, get, is when you get when you get middle-aged white men who <laughs> who have who have existed in stereotype land for thirty years, and that's all they know. I mean, right? And 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 led by like you know the aging boomer male adulterer. Yeah, uh, for the, the part of this. 
Yes. Well, I was thinking Road Dog. Who are you thinking of? <laughs> I was thinking Vince. Oh, you're thinking of Vince. I mean, like, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, if you think, I mean, a lot of the stuff we're talking about it, it I mean, is Vince Light the, or Vince Center? Yeah, yeah, right. And we're still like coming off of the Vince era. I mean, if anything, I give them credit for how much things have actually meaningfully changed in such a short period of time. Um, there's still much work to be done, but like, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of this mishandling of these these Indian characters, and also, I mean, when we think of the pandering with uh, Mansoor in particular, that that's all Vince, right? Like, like, and yeah. those have been some. Of the but I mean, that's also, seen. I mean, that's also been pro wrestling thinking for ages. You know, the evil foreign. <laughs> heel blah 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 and like they don't know what to do when that guy gets i mean like you remember muda in the nwa was getting over and 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 getting to be a baby face and he had people in his ear you can you can allege who but gary hart seems to be a pretty prime candidate even though he denied it was like well well if you if you if you they make you a baby face and you lose all your mystique and you know they won't treat you well and they won't give me a paycheck and, and things like that like it's one of those things where it's like, I mean, even like Umaga was starting to get over, you know, for his toughness and his, and his style and things like that. And they just didn't know how to pull the trigger on a baby face like that. They kind of did with Rikishi, except you know, all he was, was dancing fat guy, a rub butt in face. And you know, that's not really star. That's attraction. By the time they did it with Rikishi, he was so limited mobility wise that like, yeah, really all he could do is the butt in the face stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Rikishi is an entertaining And don't get me wrong, ass, people love the butt in the limited. face. People no, 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 I know. But but like when you actually like watch those matches, you know, with kind of like the, the work rate eye on, right? Like yeah. you start to see that like Rikishi didn't actually do a whole hell of a lot during those matches. AEW. Got, uh, when oh, he did get over. No, no, AEW. 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 Dub. Last night's show. We are recording this on Thursday night, so SmackDown and Rampage have not happened, although I've read the Rampage spoilers, and brother, you ain't missing much, which is a problem in its own right. But AEW did 870,000.26, the lowest ever in 18 to 49 on an unopposed Wednesday. And it's lowest since January, the infamous January 6th riots. I don't know why why they decided to compare it to that. Uh, but at the same time, it's, it's, it is a memorable news event. But 870,000.26 unopposed. Can we, can we now that have an adult conversation bad. as to whether or not Tony knows how to cook? Can we, kids? Yeah. Because I get buried for this all the time. And it's not that the pay per views aren't good. Kind of a turd on Wednesday. Yeah, it, it's not. It's not that the pay per views aren't good. It's not that pay per views don't have good work rate. And it's not that even the week to week TV shows don't have good matches at times. But man, there was Jackson, a lot of that. Uh, Danielson was a banger. Yeah, Daniel. Yeah, Danielson and and uh, and 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 uh, Dax. Dax. Thank you. I almost called him the WWE name. Uh, yeah, great friggin' match. Uh some some in a, in a indescribable promos on this show uh as as well and we'll get to that in the lazy river i assume but look i'm not gonna sound the clarion call of aew's in trouble they're not they have a great working relationship with their with their business partner but if i'm discovery i'm looking at these numbers and i'm going okay 
can I get something cheaper here that'll push ratings? And uh, I mean, I'm something simply to, because, asking what's going on. Yeah, well, you remember also Discovery's whole thing is cutting costs. That's that's their right. entire business model right. right now, and all they need is an excuse. And if you come in there asking for a big raise, if it continues like this, but at the same time, here's a question. This was going to go into some of my lazy river stuff, but at the same time, I go, who are AEW's biggest stars right now, Chris? In terms in terms of if you watched this television, who are who are the big people you would build around? I mean, clearly our our big stars MJF. I would agree there. Yeah, we 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 let the guy redesign the belt. <laughs> in his image, and we can talk about that that play here in a bit. Um, but like clearly, he's the big star. My two and three and, might surprise you. Ooh, I I was gonna say maybe Orange Cassidy. Um, like even though he's kind of like low, uh, like it seems like he's kind of low, but he still gets presented pretty like pretty strongly. He's um, popular, but I don't know if he's the star of the show. Like I would say, and 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 uh, Britt well, Baker and Britt Baker and Jade Cargill. Okay. Oh, I, ooh, I don't know about Jade. I don't know about Jade. Well, she comes out and she cuts promos, which no, is no. I'm with you. I, I, I was gonna say Baker to Moxley three. Okay, I can I can go with Moxley. Although Moxley, <laughs> well, after Moxley's last big, night, a bigger star than Cargill. Well, after last night, they need to really figure out: Do we want him to be a babyface? Do we want him to be a heel? Because I don't think the Stone Cold thing that he's doing. I mean, they're going to they're gonna move him back and forth between heel and babyface, depending on who he's facing. And I get the shades of gray thing, but man, I think between Adam Page and 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 Moxley, in terms of a feud, I think people are going to be confused as to who to root for. Yeah, I I, I agree. Um, and it, it's just like two guys who are angry at each other fighting. And I yes, I I wonder, I wonder if people are really going to be able to pick a pick a person to cheer for. I think they're going to pick the heel because that's who they're gravitating towards with every other feud. Right, okay. right. No, it's weird. No, so so what will end up happening is Moxley will default to the heel. Eventually, the crowd will gravitate towards Moxley because they'll prefer the heel because, like, this crowd yes. ironically like. Yes, it, it, it's there, there's a there's a there's an issue with AEW and baby faces along with WWE and baby faces. It's like playing playing the heel is far more interesting because you get to say things that you can't, and everybody knows that the good guy is going to do what the good guy does. And so all these crowds now are just really wanting everybody to turn because that's the most interesting thing about them. And these crowds, it, it's weird because they don't respond to heels. I mean, we're getting into Lazy River territory, so let's just go into it. Lazy River of Wrestling Criticism. Whatever we watch, whatever's on our mind, we'll talk about it here. Um, uh, hey, you want to talk about AEW Dynamite? <laughs> let's talk about AEW Dynamite a little bit. Because... In the in the uh, in the wrestling critique business, there's been a, a few uh, a few top names have really been crowd shaming of late, and there was a lot of crowd shaming over MJF's promo last night because they weren't responding to anything and they weren't booing him as a heel necessarily. They were kind of cheering him on, like they cheered him on when he turned on Regal, which. Let me put it this way. Uh, if what Sean Ross Sapp today reported that, that Regal's contract is up in December versus a three-year deal, um, if you were going to write off William Regal, that would be the way I would do it, <laughs> to be honest with you. And it's, it's very weird because now it's like, if you didn't, now the, now the now the whole angle is about Regal's redemption with the Blackpool Combat Club as opposed to getting 
MJF over stronger, but nevertheless, let's talk about crowd shaming here. Um, I know that MJF was trying to heal on this crowd, but the ways he was doing it was so <laughs> number one, he was playing the hits. He was playing his hits, which is always, you know, the contract negotiation. You guys are poor. Um, you know, he did a sports team video that I guess was played in the arena from what I heard, et cetera, et cetera, as opposed to, you know, really laying into him. But and also then, and tearing down the fourth wall a little bit. That's an yes. MJF thing too. Yeah. And that's what, and uh, that's, that's a crutch move that he does. That's a crutch move that he does. Yeah. I don't like the fourth wall breaking. Um, I, I think it's one of those things where it's like, well, if you're talking about being miserable in the place you're working, then everybody's going to be kind of rooting for you to leave and go somewhere where you'll be happy and paid as opposed to here. And I just think, it, I think it's working against him to be honest with you. It, it's, it, it was, it was a baffling promo in so many ways, but does AEW have a conditioning problem now? Because we've seen them now turn, turn all these heels kind of likable baby faces at times, be it DMD, be it Jade Cargo, be it MJF, even being Moxley at times. I mean, do, do we have somebody that people hate that, isn't hated because people don't think they're a pure enough wrestler, so to speak. I mean, do we have a character that we, we were, I mean, Ethan page, maybe, maybe because like Hobbs seems to be getting treated like a baby face too. So. Yeah. Renee. Yeah. Now Hobbs is getting a baby face treatment. It feels like, um, that, that, that vignette this week felt very much like a repackaging in a favorable light of Hobbs. Yeah, feel sorry for him because he had a tough upbringing. And you're just like, is this our healing? Uh, tough upbringing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, circling back on the MJF thing, uh, th- this promo really, really felt flat. Uh, he, the no one was upset that he was going to be champion forever. No one was upset that he was going to only wrestle on the pay per view. And I just, I don't blame the crowd for that. Um, it you made people kind of like love him and like it, it, in a weird way, the way he was going to like threaten to hurt you is you're not going to get to see me wrestle and you love watching me wrestle, which is actually the opposite of this, uh, uh, the way this is supposed to work, which is you're supposed to hate me as champion because my matches are old reliable and the bad guy always wins. Um, and crowd's not really behind Starks. Uh, and the Burberry belt thing. Let's talk about the Burberry belt. The BBB? Yeah, the, the BBB. Big Burberry belt? The big Burberry belt. Uh, I mean, this this title reign better kick ass because he has now really committed himself to, you know, like, w- w- once he's gotten the belt, it's like, oh, well, I guess we're doing this for a while now. Um, and I'm not confident that this is going to go super awesome. This right was now. a serpentor of bad ideas. <laughs> it really was because it, it, yeah. it combined the John Cena changing the belt to the spinner type of a thing with, with the Shane Douglas throwing down the actual title belt thing with the cheap heat, which the, with the fourth wall breaking with the, uh, with the, Hey, I'm just going to, I'm just going to leave and I'm going to name drop Tony or I'm going to Nick Khan and, and triple H. And you're like, it's like, does anybody know how to build an actual villain in their own universe without 
mentioning the other guy because this is actually making Cody Rhodes look smart, and it makes me realize how how much I missed some of Cody Rhodes' stuff. And those people all pissed on him when he was killing himself. You know, this is a I believe this is the one year anniversary of the uh, flaming table spot he did with Andrade. And you're just like, you just remember how people were like, boo, he's just a try hard kind of a thing. And you're like, yeah, but he understood basic baby face heel dynamics at times. It's just, you all didn't want to accept him as a baby face. I'm, I'm like leaving this front wall. What is MJF's big plan? Yes. Like, how is he he going to dominate? Yes. Like what, what is his goal? Like he wants to hold on to the title forever. Okay. I get that. But like when he pooed away the firm, like, I guess maybe at some point he'll get revenge on the firm, but it's not going to be particularly narratively satisfying. Well, he even changed his so, tune on that. He goes, I kind of respect them. And you're just saying, oh, okay. right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I kind of respect them. But he was also sort of saying, like, I would never, like, you know, go out of my way. I mean, even if he got, you know, comeuppance on them, who cares? Um, and, you know, that also made Ethan Page frothing about wanting to beat MJF seem, you know, more unimportant later on. And then once he takes out Regal, okay, yeah, you got to write off Regal. I mean, maybe if he's staying, you don't. That's the weird. No, right. I mean, there's there's that too. I mean, it makes the Blackpool Combat Club narrative completely incoherent at this point. Like it that that that. that, I mean, when the Jericho Appreciation Society was like, "You guys are a mess," I was like, "So they're like, but they are like they really are like." This is like a horribly written faction right now. Like you would think if this were an actual story that that that'd be one of those things where MJF has now lured Regal under his spell and there he's going to take the moment when it's right to destroy him as opposed to well just the next week. <laughs> we well, yeah, we haven't right. even heard we haven't even heard Regal's motivation for any of this. And it was very weird because as watching his body language as MJF was cutting this promo and after he starts getting disgusted when he starts talking about Danielson. Well, well, yeah, it was, it was one of those things where he was clearly on. I mean, he was looking uncomfortable after the, after the whole and being let down type of, of, of Pat thing. And it's like, okay, we're already doing buyer's remorse with William Regal. Okay. Um, that's the thing is like Rico shouldn't have had I mean if you wanted to do this week two which I think is an idiotic time to do this Regal absolutely should have had no buyer's remorse during any of this like when MJF is when MJF is slagging Danielson like he should be looking at MJF and nodding and like we should really see that Regal has like fully made the deal with the devil and has embraced the devil and then that makes when like he gets the brass knuckles much, much that much better, but like Regal, the whole thing was the blocking of this was very stupid because MJF yes. walks up with, with the with the brass knuckles in front of Regal and is like standing in front of Regal with the brass knuckles on, and then stands behind Regal and like I was gonna say Emperor <laughs> Gestalt's him, but that probably only is a reference that lands for like some Final Fantasy six people, um, but basically just like pounds him in the back of the head. Uh, like it, it, it was very um a very poorly blocked sequence in which it made Regal look like an absolute idiot. And you had also shown him having second thoughts like prior to this. Like, so like when you're having second thoughts about the person you're in bed with already, like the idea that they're going to you know, just come behind you and you're not gonna be like, what are they doing right now is really far-fetched. I, I, he needed 
in order for this to work, he needed to be completely all in. And that would have made Danielson still coming out to help him and being really distraught regardless, much more poignant um, than this version of what ended up happening. Um, it also should and- have been your main event angle to be honest with you because this is the world title i understand that you're pushing at this this point right yeah at this point danielson like he should have grabbed the mic and cut like a huge fiery promo at this point saying like mjf's head he's not going to stop until he has mj's head and he's going to break him and it's not even about the title he's just going to break him he's going to like you know cripple this man he's going to put him out there were four things at once going on in the in this entire segment that should have been kind of spread out over weeks and stuff you had the you had the regal doubting you had the change of the belt you, you kind of had the origin story somewhat, um, and then you you had the attack, and it was just, it was like, man, we're we're pushing like four weeks worth of angles in one show, and we're also just putting it halfway through the show. Now, what they did well was they they actually gave it emotional resonance on commentary for once, which was a nice change. But at the same time, it's like, well, we have a whole hour of show to go here. It, 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 it's it's one of the yeah, well, how do we have on, no further comment on that. Yeah, moving on now. Yeah, moving on. Here's our trios title with <laughs> with the elite. And, and, the- and it, it simply cannot be that way when you are just launching a new world champion. No. The new world champion has to be the primary focus. Yes. Of this, this is the first episode after Thanksgiving, so this is effectively the first episode back. MJF needed to be the big focus on this. This needed to be the MJF show. Um it didn't need to have all of these different beats in the story, as you mentioned here. Um, but it did need to have a lot of MJF. MJF's reign of terror has begun. MJF's never going to fight you. He should have been up in Ricky Starks's face. He should have been up in Ethan Page's face. He should have been up in Danielson's face. He should after, have been you know, wagging his Johnson all around as the big big man on campus. Yeah, he, yeah. he should have tried to come out and special guest referee a match, you know, like like just basically been an obnoxious pain in the ass the entire show to make us want him to go the hell away because we hate him because we don't like him because he's bad. And he's like, Lord, like it's it, it he needs it's like how the, the opposite of how can I miss you if you won't go away? How can I hate you if you're never around to be hated? Right. Yeah, as as opposed to oh look, we're getting an MJF promo and everybody's gonna cheer because way we finally get to hear from a guy who can promo on this show. And yeah, and he, was, he's a very gifted yeah. guy in the microphone, and yeah, I get all that. I do think he's gifted in the microphone in many ways, but like that—that's he's not doing it the right way. Yeah, I was. It, 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 I'm yeah. also concerned. I, I don't understand why is Brian Danielson not willing to be a star in this company. Like all, all of, I don't know, and they so sorely need him to be a star yes, right now. Look he just wants to be a good wrestler, and it's like, no, no, right. we need to be, we need I, to I'm be, happy to be the, the upper mid card gatekeeper who uh-huh. has a really good match with people. Like, really, like, because no, they need him and to a lesser extent, Claudio to be like bigger stars in this company than they are. Um, they're really solid workers, and especially like in this MJF era, here's where you like should have legendary wrestlers coming out and having really good work rate matches with this guy and coming up short through dastardly means. Yeah. Like Uh, it's the perfect formula for this MJF title reign, but it's a much better formula, frankly, than it's much better formula than Ricky Starks, for example. I agree. Yeah. And Ricky Starks, (laughs) Ricky Starks. I, I like Ricky Starks. And when he was a heel cutting promos, he was great as a baby face. He looks tiny 
and his and yeah. his stupid and his and it I won't call it stupid, but all his gesticulations and stuff like that looks small time. Like when he's on the ramp there and he's putting the head on his forehead, he's like, and he comes into uh, on the uh, on on the turnbuckle and he's you know pumping his fist to the music. He just he looks yes. small. He looks small. To no, me, it's the, the side pose in particular makes him look like two and a half dimensional. Yes, I don't think it's actually a flattering pose for him to be striking. Needs to change up that look as a babyface, and they've taken away his one weapon, which was cutting promos on people. Because you know, if right? He's be the and and about the way, face, like he needs to be out there. Like he should have been up in MJF's grill tonight. Like yes. I, I mean, it, it actually should have been Starks and Daniels. Like everyone should have been out there. Like basically, Danielson should have been tending to Regal, and like Stark should have been out there. You know, like going after MJF, just like you know. By everyone proxy, needed to be you know baby yeah. faces have friends so so i'm gonna come yep. kick your ass or whatever like like the one moment i really liked in terms of staging and stuff like that as soon as i got rid of matt hardy and that goofy crap what was kind of the angry ethan page next to stokely that looked like a nice little upper 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 mid card almost main event type of act you know, where they're seething and they're angry and there's a little bit of menace to them. I, I actually liked that a lot. I just think we're going to sacrifice Ethan Page now to the, to the, uh, to, to Ricky Starks, which, you know, then what was the point of this entire tournament, to be honest with you, other <laughs> than that? Oh, I know. I know. Uh, I it's know. your and turn, kid. Is- I've, I've, I've dominated this conversation. Your turn. No, you're you're fine. Um, uh, let's move on to Jade Cargill's TBS Championship celebration. <laughs> I, I I thought this was also a giant dud, dude. Um, like uh, everything from like the 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 baddie scolding and like I mean the most ridiculous thing is she's like dressing down the two baddies and they both look like they're about to turn on her and then they don't and like mm-hmm. they should have just turned on her at this point or walked off on her. I like I. Is Cargill a heel or a face? Like, what week is it? It that that that's the answer. You have to like look back. And this week she was like Uber heel Jade Cargill. Um, Uber heel, but also at the same time in that way where it's like I'm I I I I pass the airport test as they like to say, or I you know, I'm the big star here. And if you took a picture of me next to any of these geeks in the locker room, people would say I'm the star. And it's not that she's wrong. <laughs> You should probably say that at the same time. It's like, no, I, I mean, but like my comparison to her about a year ago to the ultimate warrior really feels apt. Oh, it's, it is. it's like a different. Yeah. But it's like, she looks like a million bucks. She has a promo that, okay. Like, no, she's not talking about load the spaceship with the rocket fuel. I wish she would, but she's not. Um, but it's, it's a very sort of one dimensional sort of promo in, in a similar way. Like she has that, I'm that bitch line. And what's a Jade Cargill promo without that? It's not much. It really isn't. Um, she has no foe. That's a problem. She has no foe. There's yeah, yeah, there's no, no one can, no one can seem to get a good match out of Jade Cargill. Try as they might yeah, it's it, she is a presence. She is an overwhelming presence on the microphone. But you know, I mean, I like this version of the baddies a little bit better. But are we setting up a, a Kira Hogan feud, and we're supposed to care about it? Because you know, just just saying that she was in breach of contract and then getting mad at the baddies for hanging out with her, I guess at Wrestlecade, 
which nobody knew except people who follow them obsessively on social media. And, and, and look, I, there's been a lot of, like Dave Meltzer made a comment about wanting the hangman Moxley feud explained on TV as a recap type of thing. And I'll have it. Well, if you pay attention to the product, you know, that blah, blah, blah. this is still a TV show. And there are people come in and out. And I don't mind a little bit of a recap here and there. I don't view it as I'm stupid. Sorry, these are the same people who criticized WWE for years for having no sense of history beyond two weeks. Yes. And yeah, exactly. never doing recap packages. So, uh, no, like, I'm sorry. We've got to grade by the same metrics here. And, like, this show does a very bad job when it comes to recapping stuff like this. I, But I'll be honest. A recap of the Moxley Page feud, I think, would be a mild cleanup of this. I, it's not that intriguing of a yeah, feud. Yeah, it, it's 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 hard the other way. It's assuming everybody knows everything as opposed to over-explaining it. But, like, I had – Raw was in Norfolk this week, and a friend of mine reached out to my brother and says, hey, I know your brother's still into wrestling. I haven't watched it in 10 years. I'm going to a show with my kids. Can you give me an overview of some of the programs or whatnot? I basically said, look, everything will probably be recapped for you because it's the fallout from a major premium live event. But, you know, here, here's here's the roster and here's who you need to know. And I almost nailed everybody that, that was going to be a top person on this show. And so it's very easy to explain. And and then, you know, if, if, he, if he decides to be a fan, great. If he doesn't, I don't mind that at all either because, you know, he probably thinks wrestling is stupid and he outgrew it in the eighth grade like most normal people. But, <laughs> but you know, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you want people to be able to ac access your product, even if it's their first, you know, even if it's their first time just watching the show. So it's like, okay, why are these two fighting? Well, everybody remembers what happened. Okay, well, you know, maybe just a... Uh, you know, I, I understand super fans is thing where it's like, we want this to be ours. So it's like, screw you, noob. We don't need this spoon fed to us. I get that. I get that. I get that thinking. Don't get me wrong. I do. But at the same time, you know, it's a television show. And every TV show has previously on before it in terms of scripted entertainment, except for wrestling, it seems. <laughs> you know, yeah, I guess the real question is, how successful do you want your favorite TV show to be? Yes, pretty much. Um, and if, if you want your show to do better ratings, having recaps that allow for the uninitiated to hop on board makes it much more likely that they're going to keep watching the show because they now understand what's going on. Imagine some dude trying to show this show to their girlfriend for the first time or something like that, or some dude trying to show this to their younger cousin or something for the first time. Yeah. They haven't watched wrestling before. What's going on? A quick recap package saves your, your your you the boon of having to or the, the bane of having to explain to your cousin what you know has been going on with let's say I don't know Swerve and Keith Lee or you know the acclaimed and uh, why you know why is Billy Gunn with them now like a quick recap package actually does a lot of work for them um, and makes it much more likely that they'll keep watching especially when you're not around and you're not able to explain every angle to them. Who do you have to take the belt off of? jade cargill because i don't know anymore and i don't think it's willow nightingale necessarily because she's already been beat three times and i don't she's popular but you can't build her up my co-host on the dynamite show paul fontaine is like well if you could get sasha here and i don't think you can necessarily i still think she's under contract with wwe in some way you got nobody you really don't because anybody of any Raya, interest i guess who Soraya? That's a, that's an interesting pick. 
I mean, look. I'm not against we, that. We I'm not Sor- against that. We know Soraya's not great. Like, uh, not not great right now. Um, but is she worse than Jade Cargill? No. Can we get a better match out of Soraya potentially with somebody versus Car- Jade Cargill? And I believe the answer to that's clearly yes. So she would be a pick for me. I mean, could a cooled off Tony Storm take this off of her? Tony Storm would also be, yeah, Tony Storm would also be in the mix there. Okay. I, I just don't know because, like, that interview that they did a couple weeks ago, you're just like, okay, what are they doing with her now? And and it's just, it's like the only stars we can get are Jamie Hayter and DMD, and it's very weird. I mean, I might even say Thunder Rosa if, if they could patch things up with her, but who knows what that's going to happen. Um but but I mean they've clearly hit a dead end with yes. this Jade Cargill thing. They've painted she's, themselves she's... in a corner and they don't know how to get out of this. And I don't know if there ever was a plan. That's the weird thing. There was no no. I, I get this is the real problem with like the booking patterns over the last let's say six months now. It now that we've seen some of these things play out. Now that Candy had the chance to sit back for the last half year and see how twenty twenty two was going to play out for him. Um, Candy needs to take a step back. And, you know, really think about some of these angles and if they actually, like, you know, ultimately resulted Kenny in something. Kenny or Tony? Because <laughs> you know, been saying Kenny, so I don't know. No, I've been, I've been saying, I've been saying Canny, as oh, in my, my friend. Oh, Canny. Oh, okay. Yeah. Let's see how this plays out. Uh, yeah, that Canny. Um, How come like, you didn't yeah, give no, a recap yeah. of Canny and who that character is? Right. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, right, right. No, actually, here's the thing. I don't have to recap Canny because if you if you listen to the product every week and review, you know, <laughs> episodes and stayed abreast on the adjunct shows, uh, you would know, you would know Canny. Uh, there's a wiki. There's a, there's an STR wiki. You can go and read up on this stuff. Really? Oh, God, God, how horrible would that be? Uh, yeah. What, what a useless place, place on the internet that would be. Anyways. Um, now that we've seen how some of these angles have played out, played out for the last, you know, like, has there really been much of a plan with getting FTR have all the belts no. or are they just like do the belts? Has there really been much of a plan with Jade Cargill as TBS champion? No. No, she's just being pong from feud to feud, uh, like with, with no sort of like coherent advancement in her character. Wardlow? Um, I mean, no. Ward, yeah, Wardlow, <laughs> total dead end. Total dead end. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, it's it's baffling to me that everybody, oh, long-term storytelling. Well, you know what? There needs to be an end point to some of these stories as opposed to waiting around to see if you can come up with one. And it feels like, it feels here's like a lot of these things are... too. A, a story with like a bunch of really crappy middle chapters is not a good story, oh, even if you come up with a halfway decent ending. Like, well, you know. we nailed the beginning and the end, but the middle and getting there sucked. So, <laughs> yeah, the beginning was great. In the middle, we went on forever, and none of it was good. And then in the ending, kind of brought it around. Nailed the dismount, everybody. Just lost like, most of our yeah. viewers doing it, and just yeah, I. It feels like there wasn't planning, and it feels it actually feels like everybody's ending got screwed up with all the personnel changes, and they didn't have a plan B. And that's a problem, too. If you're so focused on something, on a story being the way it is, and, oh, this actor or this person will, will have this guy do this, and then it doesn't come through, and then you're just looking around going, uh, <laughs> type of a thing, it's not a very good plan. And it feels like, look, Statlander went down. I think she was probably the plan for Jade. CM Punk 
guy in a fight over a dog. That was probably a plan. I mean, Kenny and the Bucks were probably a plan. Uh, it, it's but you gotta make two plans in wrestling sometimes, and and here it's just like it, it feels like they're throwing stuff at the wall at times to me. No, I, it really does, and and every time it seems like incumbent on them to sort of regroup and really think about like, okay, what's you know what's the MJF era look like? Man, it's really not heartening to see what is effectively week one where where this is supposed to be the first chapter. This is not a good first chapter. No. Like, you know, it'd be like watching star Wars and the opening sequence, Darth Vader kills Obi-Wan Kenobi. (laughs) (laughs) Who's that? Uh, We'll tell you in flashbacks later. That's what we'll do. Darth Vader gives a promo and explains why he did that, and then the movie moves on from there. And then he like, throws the emperor down. He turns on the emperor like like after the first promo, and nobody establishes a relationship <laughs> there too. Just oh yeah, uh, I I paid for Russell Cade this weekend on Fight TV, and uh, boy, there that was a pretty good piece of business between Dax and uh, Speedball Bailey. Having a pretty good match over the weekend, but uh, the, for me, the main event was was on the Sunday show. I believe it was Sunday. I can't remember my days anymore. But watching watching the uh, Ricky Ricky Steamboat's last match, where he teamed with FTR versus Jay Lethal, doing nothing but Macho Man cosplay, Nick Aldis and Brock Anderson. That was a I mean, Ricky Ricky Steamboat could come in and and pull out a three and a half star match with MJF right now, just doing what he does. Well, uh, the other, the other fun match for me was the Briscoes against the rock and roll express. You know, just, you know, it was a nice reunion type show in the Dorton arena. If you have a few extra ducats. I highly recommend uh, watching both of those shows, both the uh, Friday night and Saturday night or Saturday night and Sunday night. I can't remember my days anymore, but uh, yeah, it was a, uh, you know, it, it was a fun little super indie type of type of deal. And it was, uh, yeah, uh, I'm always the Briscoes at the Rock and Roll Express was, was far more fun than I ever thought it would be, to be honest with you. It, 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 they work really well together. So, uh, yeah, I would I would seek that out if you could. Your turn, sir. Uh, taking it over to Raw here, uh, the all and, and I guess, you know, kind of like fall from the pay-per-view and everything, too. Uh, the bloodline stuff. Uh, great stuff. Um, yes. I, I enjoyed Owens coming out too. Uh, the the Owens and Zayn interaction. Uh, everything about this is just there's just so much intrigue. Um, you know who's <laughs> like like how like how is like what is going to be the nature of Sammy's betrayal? It's like the, it's like an interesting mirror image to the William Regal thing, right? Like the Zayn storyline serves as like a real testimony to the slow burn. Like the whole joy of this is the arc. Um, well, well, what, what yes. really makes it for me is Kevin Owens basically surrendering and saying, "Yeah, I mean, I'd probably have done the same thing because I've been such a jerk to you all these years." And it's one of those things where it's like, "Look, I don't, I just don't want to be around you anymore. I just don't want you involved in my career connected to yours anymore." And I, I, I appreciate that sort of surrender type of thing and then him uh, immediately go but you jay uso i'll, I'll kick your ass 
you know, I still got business with you. I just don't want to deal with him anymore because I've already turned on him 20 times and it's old news and I don't want to do that again. The, the, the Kevin Owens, you'd think he'd come out fired up about, you know, what Sammy, you were my best friend, blah, blah, blah. But I liked this as a beat. It was a more interesting choice. Yeah, I thought so too. And like Zane really was devastated that Owens didn't care because the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is apathy. Yes. Like intense indifference. And, you know, like the, the commentary to, to this point did a really nice job, you know, again, seeding, you know, these, this is the best man in each other's weddings. Like, I think that that's actually good narrative plot telling here. Uh, when we're talking about the tension uh, between these guys, I, I like, I just think like the, the writing on the bloodline stuff has been so tight. And I think that'll really be belied whenever someone finally gets around to making like a super cut of like all these bloodline segments. And you well, can we might have to them. cut out like the first year or so when it was doing nothing. <laughs> no, no, no. I, okay. Like a super, I guess like a super, when I was saying all these bloodline segments, I'm talking about like when it started getting good, like in yes. the post Vince right yeah, like like when when they finally really started like figuring out the Zane thing and everything, like a super cut over the last like three to four months of just everything bloodline, uh, it w- would really belie that this has been an unbelievably strong piece of business. Um, and Zane's interesting, and Owens is interesting in it, and yeah, I just continues to be a storyline that I'm I'm always excited. Like I can't wait to see what they have for tomorrow because like it, you know when you don't think they're going to have anything big, that's when they like, you know, drop, like he hasn't been feeling very oozy lately at you. He broke solo at the uh, house show on Sunday. I don't know if you saw no. a video of that, but uh, came out, he was talking about, he, he dropped an oozy on solo and solo had to cover his face with a towel because he just couldn't handle it for a moment, uh, which was a nice, nice moment as well. I, I mean, like, like for me, I, again, I said this last week, but I would love, I would love the absolute 90 degree turn of Sammy eventually takes the bloodline away from Roman and Roman has to team with Kevin Owens to get it back kind of a thing. Like he, he like Sammy as ultimate puppet master, as opposed to the guy who gets turned on and beats Roman, you know, either story is interesting to me, but I'd kind of like the thing. I, I mean, like, I, I'm even open to the idea that like this is like the betrayal was actually part of Owens and Sammy's plan. Okay. Like the, this is all part of a long con on, on, on the bloodline that like they knew that in order to get the, tr- cause like, here's the beat that we couldn't really explain. Right. Owens knew that Jay was watching. Yeah, and and also, hey, we yeah. need we look. There were no stakes to war games. We could always bury war games in there, but we needed to get your right. trust somehow with the Usos, and this is how we did it. We just decided right. oh, I'll sacrifice myself at war games, and this is how we lured you in, type of a thing. I mean, I, they, like like that conversation, like like I, you know, you have to go like, is Kevin Owens's character really so naive that he would have that conversation just in front of the Bloodlines door? thinking that no one would catch it or eavesdrop on it. Like, what was his motive there? Like, what was both of their motives there? Um, like, I don't know. Like, they've, they've given themselves multiple outs, which is the other thing that's kind of fun with this. It's yeah. like, you, you, could choose, you could choose to pick it up there. There's a number of ways to narratively satisfy this still. And that's cool. And like, I don't know. I, I, I hope I they take the story. That's <laughs> the only thing that always. No, me too. Me, me too. No, you, yeah. you, you got to commit at some point. And that, that's always, I mean, 
that has been a standing critique of both shows. And sometimes they, they don't do that, but I, I think they've given themselves multiple interesting pathways to commit to. Chris, I love Becky Lynch as a wrestler and as a human being in terms of her personality and, and st- stuff like that. But I hate the man. I hate that character so much at times because it feels like such a try hard thing when she comes out to cut the promo and, you know, she's going to the crowd. I get that, but I'll tell you something. I howled. <laughs> Number one, Aunt Pam. Aunt, Aunt, Aunt Pam amped it up for the boy, for the fellas this week, which I appreciate, but she came out and basically cut that promo where it's like, people don't appreciate me and all the stuff I put my body through. Also true. But, but the whole... <laughs> hey bob you suck no bob does not suck bob does not i rewatched that thing 20 times it never failed to make me laugh i don't know why but just the earnestness of becky saying no bob does not suck and of course aunt pam amping up the heel dumb thing uh i i enjoyed this little uh i i enjoyed the brawl although the ridiculousness of hitting people with paper signs and having to sell it kind of got to me but uh yeah, we're going to get an Aunt Pam-Becky feud with no title on the line, which is very interesting because it's going to rely on both their personalities to keep it going and have stakes. Yeah, I think that that's actually, that's a nice little launching point here, and we'll see if they can do it, but I, I have confidence. I think the, I think they'll find a way. Um, one of the nice things about the, the newer era here is just a little bit more microphonic freedom, so I think they'll find something to beef over that'll be halfway I, I decent. I hope so. I'm a, I'm a little worried, though, about... Bailey's positioning going into Mania. And look, this is pure, pure um, bias on my part because I think she is the person who most deserves a main event slot at, at Mania and has never gotten it, especially during the COVID era where it's like, oh, you get to host and get to get buried by the NWO real quick. And, you know, when she was carrying this company on her shoulders for for a good year or so, I just, I just think we're going to go to the, uh, the, uh, oh, geez, the interminable Ronda Becky feud because WWE still views Ronda as a star, even though I don't at this point. She is just dreadful in every way, shape, and form and hasn't improved in the ring all that much and is terrible on promos. And then I think we're going to get Bianca and Rhea, you know, the, the, the whole new generation main event type thing, which isn't not a bad choice. I get that. I just, I, I, I wonder where Bailey fits into all this. And I don't think it's going to be very high on the card, unfortunately. Yeah, that, that remains a concern. Um, you know, they, they just lost faith in the damage control act so quickly. Well, they didn't uh, book it, it correctly either. I mean, they should have just run roughshod up until war games and then figured out how to rebuild it from there. But they beat them like on week two, I think they lost a tag match in that tournament. And you're just like, what? Are they, what? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you could very well. I mean, look, EO and Bailey, that, that's not a bad matchup to me. I, I'll take that as a one-on-one match if they decide to, you know, just break them up completely and have kind of a super work rate type of uh, match with it on the card. I mean, you can do... I mean, he could do worse than having Bailey versus EO Sky, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, at this point, like, it almost does kind of feel like a move, too, would be, like, turn EO and Dakota. Yeah. Although I think Dakota would probably be a red shirt for one of the sides, and then you just build that feud between those two. And I love Dakota. I mean, she, again, I rewatched that women's war games, and she was taking some damage in that match. And you're like, 
I bless her ability to be a rag doll that you can throw around because it just made everybody look that much more of a killer. So, so I dug it. But uh, your turn, sir. Um, uh, you know, I just it's like a quick note. I I just thought Owens and Uso had a pretty nice little main event match here. Yeah. Like it, it wasn't like, yeah, no, but it was it was, it was fun. I, I I liked it. It had just like a good rhythm flow to it. It had room to breathe too. It didn't feel rushed. Yeah. It didn't feel like they were just gonna hit these spots to go to an angle type of thing. It felt like you had a beginning, middle, and end to it, which I really liked. I like that. I like the super kicks. I like I like just the way that like the the super kicks like both of them have that as a signature move, but not like their like you know finishing move. And I just you know I kind of like that being like a real joust. Yeah. <laughs> Your turn, sir. That was oh, let's go through the preposterousness of NXT. And those oh, and God. those yeah all oh, the wraparound shit. about oh. what what are they calling this the. Uh, What's what's the name of their their the gimmick match that they're booking here? I can't remember. Uh the Iron Survivor. Iron Survivor, yes. And Iron Survivor. <laughs> can we possibly uh smarten up the people that we're using for this segment as to whether or not we're gonna be talking about real attributes or storyline attributes? Because some people were doing one. And some people were doing the other. <laughs> Molly Holly was treating this as if it were real. <laughs> X-Pac probably treating it as if it were real. Everybody else, storyline type thing. Uh, some of the choices in this, God bless Kiana James, my current favorite NXT wrestler for reasons other than anything having to do with her talent or ability. But again, I, I just love the gimmick of She's she's obviously a porn star in a movie that has in a that porn world with no key that flashes up. The marquee that flashes up with all of the different acronyms is so <laughs> absurd. It's like yeah, like it's so ridiculous. It's, and, and her it's like it's, Brazilian it's secretary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know what was more ridiculous: the booking me about the women's Iron Survivor, or or that weird. Hero went spin thing that that Nikita Lyons did to sell her knee injury, where she looked like she she hit nothing. She just she just jumped up, spun around, and landed on her knee. Lyons Lyons has a lot of work to do. There's something. There's something there. There's something there. But like there is there there are clear blind spots in her game yes. that have yet to be addressed. And, and, and yeah, I think she's and no. miscast. She should have been the one to turn heel. She's a yeah, perfect Vader type heel for the women's division because she's so much bigger than all these other women in size. And it would presence. allow her to work slower too and less yes. flashy. And like that would really like like yeah, I, I just I no, I she would be a great Vader type heel. I could like see the gloves on her right now. Oh, just, I like, could her, see like, her pummeling Casey Catanzaro with four arms oh, and just so going, yes, yeah. give me yeah. that. Yeah. Um, like, yeah. No, even like two on one handicap matches with her just like kind of like ragdolling people would be a lot of fun. Okay, um, rem- remind me who were they talking about the fifth person in the men's match? It was it was um Von Miller, uh, no, Von Miller, Wagner, linebacker. Von Wagner, thank you. Uh, Von, Von Wagner was a shooting guard. Von, Von Wagner, Andre Chase, and who was the third one they were considering? Uh, is it Dijak or no? It was uh McDonough. 
Yeah, no, I think the ace is in there. But maybe you're yeah. right. I, I don't know. It was, it was somebody. That, with that's that the one. That's the one that uh, where where you're right. Walton was kind of like he's a creep, and I was kind of like, what are we talking about? What, yes, what are we talking about exactly? Are we are we crossing the line here? Are yeah. we? Are, yeah. we, we are, are you saying this in a Kevin Owens way? I mean, they're seriously going. Okay, do we want Von Wagner, a big, strong power dude, or do we want the guy with the college sweater who does comedy pitch? And you're like, are we really having this conversation right now against all these other work rate guys that we're gonna we're gonna put Axiom was mentioned, but oh, he was Axiom. out with it an was injury. Axiom. Yeah. But but then he wasn't out with an injury. That which was the funniest part yeah. is that he shows up later in another segment, he's not actually injured. I think so they did that twice. Axiom in, yeah. Yeah, in, in his brilliance, decided to keep that he wasn't injured a secret from not only Big Body Javi, but also the booking committee when he could have been inserted in the Iron Survivor match. Smart this, move, dude. Nice this, turtleneck. This was overthinking things. This this is so oh, we need to see the backstage machinations of of legends because they're draws. It's just like guys, just name somebody, put them in the match, or or have a three way and just do the thing as opposed to as opposed to trying to pump up these people while also secretly burying everybody in this match. You're just like, why would I want to see this? Now afterwards, it, it's already a convoluted rules match that that is making TNA roll over in its grave. I just, it's, yeah, I, I laughed and I laughed at all this. Cause I'm just like, God, they want us to take this so seriously and nobody cares. It's like, really just put a fifth guy in the match and then, and then build why they should be in that match and what they're going to get if they win it. Because has that been announced? Do they get a title shot if they win this match? I'm so confused. Like, I, you get the I, honor about, of being I, the first Iron Survivor. I, I, cannot, I cannot explain to you a single thing about the Iron Survivor tournament. I, 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 if, I'm not looking right now, and I'm totally relying solely on my recall. I remember the booking committee meetings, but I cannot say that I left with a single sense of like what the stipulations of this are. It, it's like a war game style match, right? It's 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 like, it's like a actually it's like a uh, elimination chamber on, match, but and okay, an so Iron Man match at the same time. It, it's okay. We start with two people. Every five minutes, another person comes in. If you get pinned, then you have to spend some time in 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 a jail cell. The penalty. A penalty. Okay. Cool. <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah. Sounds really good. I, I will be Sounds like. Yeah, no, I, I I'll be watching it on fucking. I'll be watching it on one point two five speed. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> you, <laughs> you got anything? Got anything else you want to bring up? Uh the the one thing that I was maybe w- waiting for on this whole show was like you know like the creeds and like Creed McDonough never really got a chance to get out the blocks because of course Andrew Shear has to come out. Vera this is Sanga. a weird feud. <laughs> it really <laughs> is. It's like they didn't really. Well, we have this tag team and we have this tag team. Well, now they have to fight. How can we do this? Well, let's use JD McDonough hitting, hitting, <laughs> Sanga with a chair. Okay. Why aren't all four of them just going to kill Sanga now, or no, kill JD McDonough now? Why are they focused on each other? <laughs> I know. I don't get that. And then like the the palace intrigue of. Dijack meeting with Tony D'Angelo and stacks of like, no, please don't make him join up with Tony D'Angelo. You just redebuted him. He looked good. Oh, and he's also you... injured apparently, but then he appears later that night too. 
Yeah. Uh, that's right. Tony D'Angelo also was like out with injuries, but is actually fine. So like smooth move, <laughs> smart move. The dawn of NXT, keeping your injuries secret. Yeah, from the we, re- we really th- had some thinking and outlining on this show. It's just like, I think it's just a bunch of people who don't watch the product that <laughs> decided to ad lib. And you're just like, no, don't do that. I, I just don't, like, I guess the one thing I'm really baffled by in the Paul Levesque era of WWE is like, why is this NXT still so stupid? Yes. Why hasn't NXT gotten an overhaul? Because I guess they found something positive in the concentrating on character as opposed to work rate indie super few or super uh, fed type of thing. And you know <laughs> but that's so dumb because you've got like good workers here like the creeds are good workers uh carmelo is a good worker breaker's yeah carmelo's great yeah like yeah no breaking he's really good breaker's really good like you have um uh uh to the moon uh cameron grimes like you have like a number of guys who yeah you have like a number of guys who can really go on this nxt roster and um, I mean, especially with like AEW kind of dogging it right now a little bit in terms of consistency, it would actually be a, not a horrible time to like, you know, put some gas into the tank of uh, NXT and see what happens. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I would, I would, uh, man, I might make the mystery person a main roster person each of these matches. I, I mean, you know, it's a gimmick. Don't get me wrong. It kind of buries the NXT roster a little bit, but it might give a little bit heat to somebody like you put a Mustafa Ali in this match, I would not mind because they're not doing anything with him on the main roster. Yeah, no, I, I mean, that wouldn't be a bad call. Uh, you know, and I actually, you know, I kind of enjoyed that interaction between Apollo Crews and Braun Breaker. Yeah. I thought that it was like, it, there was just like an interesting, like tense energy between them. I, I liked it. I mean, like, yeah, when, when Apollo Crews is allowed to, when Apollo Crews is allowed to play a real person, he can bring the intensity and stuff as opposed to playing whatever weird character he's doing. <laughs> We've always said this. And like, like, yeah, no, I, I actually, like, he's, I mean, I don't know that they have, like, super great plans for him or anything, but, like, he's been quietly, like, nicely repackaged back to the Apollo Crews that I like. Yeah. And I like that. Same. That's all I got. You? Me too. Okay. Let's end it there. You can follow me on Twitter still. <laughs> as opposed to Chris. <laughs> that crap, makes one of us, Jeff. At Crap Game 13, I am staying. I enjoy the platform. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, I also do a show called The Dynamite Show on Fight Game Media, patreon.com slash fight game media for five bucks a month. You can uh, partake in all those shows. The other people who do an AEW show on their thing just did a Hall of Boom because their show is called The Boom and really highlighted uh, Heroes of the Pandemic Era. It's an interesting listen, but uh, we're on a network ourselves. And we're no slouches. It's Voices of Wrestling, Podcasting Network, Music of the Mat. We have Open the Voice Gate. We have uh, the, the Thunder uh, podcast, which I can't remember the name of, but it's very, very interesting stuff because I didn't watch Thunder a lot. But uh, And, of course, the flagship with Joe and Rich. On all your Days pod- of Thunder. Days of Thunder. Thank you. Days <laughs> of did, Thunder. Why did I remember that? Uh, <laughs> it's a great Tom Cruise flick. Anyways. Uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, if you're only subscribed to us, we thank you. But, uh, hey, do the super feed and listen to all the other voices shows because uh, if you have a niche, go ahead and, uh, you know, 
find find your niche. Scratch your niche. Scratch your niche. Scratch your niche. Exactly. Uh, Chris has other projects, and he's very heavy on the gram right now, so he's going to plug that for you. Yeah, if you go over to my Instagram, uh, that is where you can follow all my music uh, endeavors and that sort of thing. I am putting up uh, just talking and referencing my guitar demo videos, which I'll be doing to get more gigs and that sort of thing. Uh, making music, uh, and I still have the Patreon for Don't Worry About the Government, which you can find at patreon.com slash DWATG. Um, right now, kind of stay tuned for music releases over the next month here, and then once I get done on the other side of the move, there will be more Don't Worry About the Government, but there is no longer any Don't Worry About the Government Twitter feed. I uh, went to pay Elon Musk my $8 and accidentally clicked deactivate. Real shame. What is your uh, Instagram handle, sir? Because you did not put that in here. Oh, yes. Dr. Underscore Nope. Doctor, as in the word doctor. As in the word doctor, underscore no. But as in like the character underscore, not like, not doctor and then the word underscore and then no. It would be doctor and then underscore. You know, because we need that recap for the listeners, just in case. No, go and follow (laughs) me on Instagram. Hello, do you like New Japan Pro Wrestling? Are you a Shin Nihon freak? If so, check out the Super Jcast with Joel and Damon on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. And even if you fucking hate New Japan Pro Wrestling, listen to the Super Jcast anyway. Not just for our great show reviews, analysis, and pastrami sandwiches, mm-hmm. but there's also usually some dick jokes somewhere in the obligatory opening 30 minutes of absolute nonsense we chat about every single week. That's the Super Jcast for all all the best talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling, crisps, and pornography.